0: So sit tight, buckle up and let's get started on today's podcast. This episode is brought to you by our sponsor, Mac Nutrition, and the Mac Nutrition Universal Certification. The MNU Certification is fast becoming the gold standard when it comes to nutritional knowledge in the health and fitness industry. It's a 12-month, 100% evidence-based online nutrition course that can be completed alongside full-time work from anywhere in the world, and it qualifies you to be insured to practice as a nutritionist in over 25 countries around the world. You can also get a generous 90% off the enrollment fee using the coupon code Lian90. Today's podcast guest is the wonderful Julia Chien, a registered dietitian and eczema coach. Julia helps people living with eczema reduce the itchy, inflamed, and uncomfortable skin symptoms by using an inside out approach. She graduated from the University of British Columbia with a Bachelor's of Science degree in Dietetics. After years of dealing with eczema and topical steroid withdrawal, she has found her passion in helping others overcome these conditions. She works with clients all over the world in her Clear Your Eczema program, and you can follow her on Instagram at juliacchien.ca. In today's episode, we discuss what eczema is, how and why some people get it, and the nutrition advice that can help or hinder eczema. We talk about the evidence for gluten, dairy, and other supplements that may be able to assist. Finally, we discuss how to stop the dreaded eczema itch and the best meals for eczema healing. Now let's dive into our podcast today with Julia. Welcome to the podcast, Julia. We are super excited to have you on the Leanne Wood Nutrition Podcast today. Thank you. I'm so excited to chat today. And I'm really excited that we're having a topic and a conversation around eczema because it is something that I myself as a as a child and still as, a, as an adult struggle with as well. And I know that you yourself have in your background. So I guess I just want you to tell our listeners a little bit about why you got into, I guess, the area of extra nutrition. Was it because of your past history with eczema yourself?
1: Exactly. And I think it a lot of the times as... as healthcare practitioners, we always have our own story for the most part. Um, and for my story, yes, like it was me being born with, we say eczema here in Canada, but eczema, eczema, same thing. Um, being born with it since I was a baby and having to live with it all through my teenager years. And up until I was in, um, uh, early twenties, was really challenging because those are the prime years where you're in high school, you're making friends and stuff like that. And it was challenging to have big rashes, like all the time on my skin and not really knowing how to heal it besides being prescribed steroids and medication, which was the most common route when you go to the doctor. So um, in my early twenties, I wanted to find a different solution because I was just tired of using medications. I wanted to learn how to heal my body naturally through nutrition. And that's kind of how it brought me to where I am today, where I am so passionate about helping people heal their skin because it's possible for them just like how it's possible for me. So, been a journey, but it's, it's good. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I love that. I love just the hope for people. And I, I just, I'm so excited to think about the people who will listen to this and be like, oh my goodness, like there is hope out there or there is another way or nutrition can make an impact.
1: Absolutely. And, and uh, I'm trying to always advocate all the time. Cause I feel like Uh, Some people still don't know that, you know, eczema can be eczema or eczema can be managed holistically.
0: Right. So it's just kind of getting that education out. Definitely. So you'll have to forgive my probably terrible Aussie um, pronunciation of it. So I'm going to call it eczema, but please feel free to to pronounce it the way that you guys do over in Canada. But let's start with the basics. Can you let our listeners at home know exactly, you know, what is eczema or what is sort of the, the medical definition of it? Yeah. So
1: eczema is an inflammatory condition in which you get Inflamed patches of, uh, of skin in different areas of the body, depending on the person. Some people get in the inner creases of their elbows. Some people get on their hands. Some people get on their scalp. Um, it, every person kind of develops eczema differently in that way. Um, and it's linked to many different reasons. Uh, when you go to the doctor, they usually just tell you it's in your genes and there's nothing you can do. But we now know in research there's a huge connection between um, your gut microbiome, for example. Um, and how that reflects onto your skin. So basically it's just kind of balancing your body so that you are be able to reduce that inflammation that's coming up through your skin because your skin's a reflection of what's going on, on the inside. So basically having eczema is just having that inflammation coming through your skin and showing up on different parts of your body.
0: Yeah, isn't that interesting? And I was going to say, is there a reason why some people get it and some people don't? Or some people can have it really you know, bad as a baby or infant, but it gets better in their adulthood or vice versa, where they didn't really have it in their childhood, then it sort of pops up in adulthood. Is it that sort of genetic link? But as you mentioned, maybe like that environmental sort of link as well, or is it mostly related to diet or does an environment sort of have an impact in it as well? Because I used to find that mine, depending on the seasons, would flare up and sort of go down if it was super hot and that really like humid growth heat weather or it was really, really cold or it was that that sort of really windy Mm. um, weather where my skin would feel very, very dry as well and that would sort of create a flare up for me as well
1: yeah I would say it's pretty complicated there's so many different reasons but environmental is one of them like for me my skin definitely gets worse in the winter because it's cold and dry and my skin just doesn't like it versus in the summer my skin's like thriving it's you know humid and my skin actually likes humidity and then there's other people who are the opposite so I mean yes environmental for sure and also thinking about stress is a huge trigger for people with eczema too Um, but then there's also other root causes where there's uh, dysbiosis that can affect the skin. There's um, nutrient deficiencies, for example, liver health. There's a huge list of root causes that can affect uh, that can cause eczema flare-ups. And yes, genes do play a role um, in the development of eczema. That's why some people uh, get it when they're born, for example, because they're kind of born with that gene. Um, however, there's something called epigenetics where you can actually – change the control of how your genes are being expressed. So that is done through diet and lifestyle. Um, And so that's why when people focus on their diet, focus on their lifestyle, they start to notice that their eczema starts to improve.
0: Mm. And I think that's really fascinating because I, uh, if you, for my listeners who have sort of heard my backstory, and I sort of mentioned this um, a couple of times on the podcast, but sort of in my early 20s, I really struggled with sort of my gut health. I had post-infective IBS from um, a trip to Bali, like most Aussies do. I got really bad sort of Bali belly. And I sort of never really recovered after that and had terrible gut health for many years afterwards. And that was sort of, I've had eczema since, you know, I think mum said even as a baby, I really had it, plus in my early childhood and, and teenage years, but it sort of got a lot worse in my early. 20s then got a lot better with really the impact and the focus that I really had around healing my gut health and getting my nutrition and lifestyle really under control. So Mm. the nutrition link really excites me today. Um, So can we dive a little bit deeper into that and really figure out for our listeners why nutrition can sort of help or hinder um, a diagnosis of eczema? Absolutely. So you think about your skin and um, the
1: cells that make up your skin and what feeds your cells right? Nutrition, water, air, the quality of the food. So really the, the, the nutrition is the foundation of building not even just healthy skin, but healthy body, right? So when we talk about the relationship between food and eczema, I mean, a lot of times it's just about getting whole foods into your diet so that you're getting those nutrients that your, your body needs, right? And there is a huge link between um, certain foods that can trigger people's eczema to flare up. For example, processed food and very greasy foods or um, sugar, for example. So getting those things out of your diet can be really helpful for some people, especially if they notice right away that when they eat those foods – the next day, maybe they're not feeling so well, like their skin's itchier or it's drier. But then also too, we have to be careful with not restricting our diet too much because we do see that quite often. I don't know if you see it with your practice as well, but a lot of clients, you know, when they want to heal their eczema, the first thing they want to do is restrict their diet very extensively to the point where they can't really eat anything and they start to be very anxious about their food develop food anxiety so be we, we have to be careful with what we restrict um, and actually instead of doing that start including foods that are um, healing gut healing foods liver healing foods and that's really the best way to to feel good about your diet and also heal your skin at the same time
0: mm. so really focusing on what we can add in as opposed to what we need to cut out
1: yeah unless you have a actual reaction to certain foods. Mm. Um, and of course like the, the main stuff that isn't good for your body anyways, like processed food and sugar, um, typically we want to, keep away as much as possible and Mm. then focus on the whole foods. Mm -hmm.
0: So is there a particular, I guess, style of eating when it comes to nutrition that will help to heal eczema best? Like I know around the world and as dietitians, we look at what's called evidence-based science. We really want those sort of scientific studies to back up what we're saying. We know that one of the most, I guess, probably publicized and researched diets in the world is the Mediterranean style diet. We know that it has huge, you know, positive benefits for a lot of conditions around the world, but also just general health. Does something like a Mediterranean style of eating, would that help? Help eczema sufferers? Do you think, or is there a more sort of um, more lifestyle pattern or style of eating you feel would be more appropriate?
1: Absolutely, that's actually something I recommend to my clients is the Mediterranean diet because a lot of research about how it's super anti-inflammatory and it's really good for your microbiome, and so that's exactly the diet that I would typically recommend because it's not it's not restrictive. You're adding nuts and seeds and fiber and good quality meats and salmon and omega threes, so. That's something that would be helpful for um, inflammatory conditions like eczema for sure.
0: Yeah, definitely. And for our listeners at home, if you're wondering what is a Mediterranean style diet or how you might go about sort of following those principles, we actually have an entire episode um, with the dietitian discussing the Mediterranean diet as well. So pop back in the catalog and you can have a listen to that one. Um, I guess Julia, I, I always hear people talking about, um, particularly with conditions like you know PCOS or endometriosis or a lot of sort of like hormonal type conditions, but also a lot of skin conditions, acne, that sort of thing. People are like, you've got to cut out gluten, you've got to cut out sugar, you've got to cut out dairy. Is there much evidence that? Let's start with the first one: gluten has an impact on eczema.
1: So there isn't like direct research related to gluten and eczema entirely. However, um, there's a lot of research talking about how gluten impacts the gut barrier. And because we know the connection between the gut and the skin, we know that if gluten impacts the gut, then in fact, it's going to impact the skin. So it's kind of this indirect relationship. So um, the research studies pretty much just talk about um, how gluten actually uh, increases the intestinal permeability of your gut, which then causes more For example, food particles, um, uh, uh, inflammation to kind of leak through the gut and and that can end up into your blood circulation. And then this can link to eczema because your blood circulates in the body, right? So whatever gets leaked through the gut is going to end up being inflamed on the skin.
0: And is this one of those areas where if you are regularly eating bread and you feel like that makes your eczema a lot worse, you would obviously cut that back. But is there, is this one of these areas where if you feel like you can tolerate and eat gluten quite well, and it doesn't really have an impact on your eczema, would it be okay to keep that into someone's diet? That's a really good question. Yeah. So I would say uh, for gluten, it's actually one of the things
1: where I generally recommend my clients and even for myself too, to just kind of be conscious of because even if you don't flare up right away from eating gluten, because of the link between gluten and how it affects your gut, we still want to be careful with um, how much we're having. That being said, we're not saying completely restricted forever because then you don't want to actually develop an actual allergy because that's common too when you avoid something for too long. But let's say if your eczema is, has been more inflamed lately, um, you've got a lot going on, and um, maybe during those period of time in your life. You just want to be re- more careful with things like gluten because then that can further exacerbate
0: the gut lining. Mm-hmm. I can imagine it's more of the gluten found in the overly processed foods, right? Like our biscuits and our cakes and that sort of thing yes. versus maybe um, a, a nice slice of um, whole grain sourdough with you know some eggs and vegetables on toast or something in the morning.
1: Yeah, there you go. Exactly. Sourdough is great.
0: So you're really looking at the processing of the food as well. Yeah, for sure. And so that sort of, I guess, covers my gluten question. I feel like you would probably get a lot of people that saying, you know, dairy really impacts my eczema as well. Is there much research that sort of shows that? Because I know that dairy is linked to a lot of sort of hormonal conditions and skin conditions, particularly acne. There's this sort of whole gray area where some research shows us that dairy does flare out acne. Other research shows us that dairy is completely fine for acne. Yeah. Where does sort of the research lie when it comes to eczema? Is there is there much of an impact or do you feel like your clients report that they Really do struggle with with flare-ups when they have dairy.
1: Yeah, so same thing with acne. The research kind of shows some people who test out dairy, they remove dairy of the dye, they notice some changes with their skin, and then other studies showing that there's not much change. So it's more kind of what I've seen in practice where yes, my clients will remove dairy of their dye and they notice that their skin does improve. Um, But then again, they're also focusing on so many other things too. So sometimes it's kind of hard to tell, like, is it the dairy or is it, you know, just overall eating more vegetables and adding, drinking more water, for example. But there are definitely um, cases where they remove the dairy and they instantly notice that their skin has improved. So definitely there's a link between that and, and, and. Uh, the eczema,
0: depending on the person. Mm. And do you feel like that's, as you mentioned with the gluten, sort of load dependence as well? If we have sort of a dash of milk with our, a couple of cups of tea versus if we're eating like a couple of cups of milk a day, plus some cheese, plus some yogurt in most of our meals, um, do you feel like it's load or dose dependent as well?
1: Yes, absolutely. I mean, think about people, well, this would be different, but people who have lactose intolerance, right? They eat a little bit of lactose from dairy. They're not going to have this whole a bunch of symptoms, hopefully not. But then if they eat, drink a cup of milk or like eat a whole tub of ice cream, then maybe they'll start not feeling so good. So with eczema, it can be the similar thing too, where you have a little bit of cheese here and there, a little dairy, Um, unless you have an allergy to it, then you obviously have to avoid it. But typically that's not gonna cause a huge flare up. Um, and so it's about how much you're consuming and also the quality too, right? The
0: quality of dairy. Mm -hmm. And I know in Australia, we, I like to believe have some of the top, you know, top quality dairy in the world. We're very, very strict in terms of, um, the type of dairy we have. We test it for the hormones. We have very strict regulations, whereas Mm. somewhere like America, they're not as strict. And I think if I lived in America, I would probably really opt for something like organic type dairy. How is it in Canada? Um, do you feel like dairy is pretty good quality or would you be sort of urging our listeners if they lived in Canada to go more towards organic sort of? type of dairy.
1: That's a good question. I actually haven't looked into like the actual quality of dairy, but in Canada, um, but yes, if 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 someone were to ask me where would I get good quality dairy products, I would say always go to a trusted local farmer, for example. I mean those are usually your best bet. Um and then looking for organic dairy um would be the best. because then you would avoid the hormones
0: and antibiotics, for example, that are commonly found in conventional dairy, right? And you mentioned lactose. I'm assuming that lactose probably doesn't have much of an impact in terms of eczema. So it would be sort of that cow's milk dairy protein that we're looking at that might sort of flare some of the eczema. So just simply swapping all of your milk and dairy to lactose-free alternatives, would that have an impact or probably not when it comes to a flare-up sort of perspective?
1: Yeah, some people don't digest lactose very well. Mm. And so because there's a connection between Um, eczema and digestion, um, when people don't digest foods very well, like, and lactose being one of the, one of the things they don't digest very well, they may notice that um, they flare up from drinking milk, for example. So if they try to go for lactose-free milk, that's something definitely they can consider to see if they feel better and if they do get um, eczema flare-ups or not. But typically I would say um, most people, they tend to, uh, I don't know if you can relate, but they tend to kind of just not want to drink dairy once they notice that they might have a reaction from it and they actually switch to a plant-based alternative, for example, because there's so many out there too, right?
0: Yeah. Yeah. There's, there's a lot more plant-based alternatives than there was say five or 10 years ago. Like they've, they've come a long way. Yeah. I like that companies are now starting to fortify things with say extra calcium, for example, because that was always my biggest gripe where people would have a couple of serves of dairy a day, then go to nothing and go to like an almond milk, but it was practically just like 95% water and nothing really of nutritional value. Right. In it. So I'm really happy that a lot of companies nowadays are jumping on board and really fortifying their, you know, their plant-based milks, for example, with different types of nutrients and protein and that sort of thing. Yes. Yeah, exactly. I'm interrupting this podcast to bring you a healthy break. In this busy world, women struggle to prioritize their health and they constantly find themselves frustrated with a lack of results. My premium coaching program, Lean Gut Mind Method, provides expertise, personalization and a proven system of tools so that women find themselves empowered to live their best lives in a body that they choose. If you're a female who struggles with weight loss, emotional eating, and poor gut health, and you're ready to change once and for all, let me and my team help you. Lean Gut Mind Method is the last nutrition program you will ever need to invest in, and the first program you will see lasting results from. Let me and my team show you the way. Apply for my premium one-on-one 12-week coaching program at www.leangutmindmethod.com. Well, from a nutrition-based perspective, we've sort of mentioned a couple of things that may, I guess, trigger more of a flare-up in some of our sufferers. And we've mentioned sort of that a Mediterranean-style diet may be more helpful. Is there anything else specifically from a nutrition-based perspective that you like to sort of include within your clients' diets or that you've really found positive in your own journey that helps with that healing process or or sort of during a flare-up?
1: Absolutely. So kind of talking the, talking about the specifics of nutrition. So fiber and protein are really key when it comes to healing eczema, the fiber piece. I mean, fibers, most people are deficient in fiber. They don't eat enough of it. Um, it's incredibly helpful for your gut and your microbiome. Um, it helps to bind toxins out of your body and, and release it through your stool. So for my clients, I often recommend getting enough fiber into their diet, different colors right? If you're eating lunch and dinner, make sure you have two different colors of vegetables, whether it's broccoli and a red pepper, for example, really just getting that diversity because your microbiome loves diversity, right? The more diverse we are with it, the better it is for our microbiome. So fiber is really key. And then protein is really key too, because protein is a building block of a lot of functions in our body, right? Including um, enzyme production um, helps to Uh, Promote wound healing, for example, a lot of people with eczema, they have really nasty wounds and it's painful and it hurts and it seems challenging to heal. But oftentimes what I'll see with clients is they don't eat enough protein in their diet after doing an assessment. So
0: getting good quality protein is also really key to healing the skin as well. Yeah. Interesting. And it sort of comes back to those principles of just good, wholesome eating as well, doesn't it? It's funny how a lot of conditions also link back to just what we as dieticians would call a balanced diet and good, healthy eating, because it's funny that so many Aussies and Americans and probably even Canadians just don't have the foundations right of sort of a good quality diet. But I think a lot of people they struggle to understand what that balance means, doesn't it? And it's easy enough for a dietitian to say, just eat balanced eating. But people Mm. are like, what the heck does that even mean? Like, what what does balanced nutrition mean? So I really like that you're giving our listeners a little bit more specifics in terms of that. And I think something like a Mediterranean-style diet, that's something that has a little bit of structure for people to follow because I feel like when we're like, just eat healthy, eat more vegetables, people can do that, but they sort of, you know, they forget about the healthy fats, they forget about the fiber, they forget Mm. about the protein that's really important, the good quality carbohydrates. Yeah. (laughs)
1: Yeah. And it's a lot of information on the internet too. And a lot of misinformation too, right? Like Mm. different people recommending, oh, avoid fats because it's bad for you. Avoid protein because it's like too much for you. And it's not scientifically proven, right? Those are just myths. And so that can be really hard on the the clients because then they're confused who to listen to. And then that's how they don't end up knowing what to eat and get really confused because there's just so much information out there, right? So we're really here to kind of debunk those myths and say, you know, balanced diet is protein, fats, and fiber.
0: (laughs) Definitely. Yeah. And you mentioned fats, which I think is really important. And I always like to say to my clients, healthy fats are so important, A, for our hormones, B, for our skin health, our cellular processes, hair, skin, and nails, all that sort of thing. I assume that that links directly to eczema where healthy fats are something that we really want to focus on regularly. Is that right? Because of all of those sort of anti-inflammatory and the healing properties from the cellular and skin processes.
1: Exactly. And yes, there are research saying that people with eczema have, um, may have uh, lower amounts of essential fatty acids, which your body needs to have those functions like healthy skin and, um, the cellular uh, processes. Right. So for sure, getting that, getting enough healthy fats in, in your diet is, is really key for, for eczema healing because it's going to help, um, especially people who have a lot of dry skin, Right? Because it nourishes your cells. And mm-hmm. so adding those essential fatty acids and omega 3s into your diet um, is going to be helpful and um, helpful with the systemic inflammation too, because that's what omega-3s also do as well.
0: Yeah, and I know that um, I myself love salmon. It's one of my favorite foods in the whole world, so I have no problem eating salmon. And we do know that that's one of our food sources that is really, really high, highly packed with our sort of good fats, what we like to call it. For our listeners at home that don't eat salmon or fish or tuna or sort of um, more of those omega-3s, they might you know, have some plant-based sources in some walnuts or some linseeds, but we do know that the conversion of that isn't as high as sort of something like a salmon. Mm-hmm. Would you recommend a supplement like a fish? oil supplement or something like that for your eczema sufferers? Or would you really prefer sort of that food-based perspective? Or if someone didn't like salmon or fish, what would you sort of do in terms of recommendations there?
1: Yeah, I would say for the general population without eczema, they can eat omega-3s from fish and have it from their diet and be perfectly fine. Unfortunately, with eczema, because it's such an inflammatory condition, you need more than the general population. So I typically do recommend um, a fish oil supplement for people with eczema. Um, Not everybody, depending on their root causes and what's going on. Maybe it's something I add on later. Maybe it's something I add on earlier. Kind of just depends. Um, But then, yes, we get a lot of clients who are allergic to fish. It's Mm. very common for people with eczema to be allergic to seafood and shellfish. Mm. Um, And so the alternative to that is plant-based sources of omega-3s Algae oil, for example, is really great for that. It's a high source of um, um, omega
0: three, So that would be like a plant-based alternative for omega-3s. I like to hear sort of dieticians recommending sort of targeted supplements as well, where, as you mentioned, the groups are sometimes different to the general population, right? It's all well and good for someone who's healthy to try and focus on a food-burst perspective. And I'm always the first to advocate from a food- Based perspective, but when it does come to certain clinical conditions, sometimes we just need a little bit more, don't we? We
1: do. We do. Yeah. Especially our our food nowadays, I don't know about Australia, but it's just not as nutrient rich as it used to be like thousands of years, hundreds and thousands of years ago. So it's harder to get those nutrients that we used to get in in our food. And also nowadays, a lot of people have absorption issues, you have digestion issues. And so, um, Even if you eat really well, and we've seen this all the time where people have this perfect diet where it's organic, it's whole foods, you know, they're eating really clean, um, but then their skin still flares up and it's just like, okay, like what really is going on? Um, And at that point, it's not the food anymore, right? It's something else going on in the body that's struggling to absorb nutrients um, for for them to uh, heal their skin.
0: Yeah. And which probably brings me to an important point and a reminder for our listeners. And this is why it's so important to work with a registered and qualified professional like Julia, who can make that total body assessment. Because if you're sitting there at home being like, man, I do all the right things. I do everything that she's saying. My diet's perfect. I couldn't eat any better. Mm. Then it is a good time to link in with a professional to sort of do that full body and full lifestyle sort of audit to see what else might be going on. Right. Because sometimes it's not just the food.
1: Yeah, oftentimes it isn't, (laughs) believe it or not.
0: But on the flip side, food can play a huge impact as well, kind of.
1: Yes, exactly. Yeah.
0: <laughs> All right. Well, besides the fish oils and the omega-3s, are there any other supplements that you think there is some sort of strong research background to sort of dabble with or have a play with, with some of your clients or is, is omega-3 sort of the biggest one?
1: Omega-3s, there's yeah definitely research uh, uh, regarding that and just having the anti-inflammatory effects it has on, on the body. There's also probiotics as well. Although the research for probiotics is kind of some studies show that it helps a lot for eczema, other studies don't. So it kind of depends, but there is emerging evidence nowadays, um, between the link, like I said, between microbiome, your gut and the skin. And so, um, taking a probiotic can be helpful too, but you do have to be careful with choosing the right probiotic because not all probiotics are good for the gut and really just selecting the ones that your body needs is important. That's why working with someone to kind of do that assessment, um, clinically to see what's really going on would be helpful in choosing the right individualized supplements. Um, There's also clients who have, for example, uh, uh, nutrient deficiencies. very common for people with eczema. Um, There's a lot of research talking about vitamin D and eczema. People who have low vitamin D levels have been um, shown to have an increased chance of getting atopic dermatitis. So a lot of people are a deficient in vitamin D and they don't know that, right? So that's something to definitely get checked out through blood work by your practitioner. And then, uh, supplementing if necessary.
0: Yeah, isn't it crazy how many people are actually deficient in vitamin D? And I find that funny. Where I live, we live in what's called the Sunshine State. But even here in Australia, there's a lot of sun. There's beautiful beaches. Um, in you know, in most states here in Australia, and I think it's something like thirty percent of the population are deficient in vitamin D at sort of any one time, which is a very large percentage of the population. I'm not sure what it's like in Canada, but it's something that we really do struggle with as Aussies is vitamin D deficiency.
1: Yeah, I've seen that. I've, I have a couple clients from Australia too and mm-hmm. they are, their vitamin D levels were low so it is common even in places where it's warm. Yeah, Can you imagine places that are cold like Vancouver probably like I don't know the number but a lot more
0: people, unfortunately. Yeah, yeah. And parts of Europe where, um, you know, they don't really see a lot of sunlight for many parts of yes. the year during their coldest part of winter. You know, it's sort of seven, nine, you know, eight, nine o'clock in the morning and it's still very, very dark. So we do sort of absorb the bulk of our vitamin D through sunlight, don't we? It's not actually something that we get a whole lot of from food.
1: Right, exactly. Yeah. Unless you're eating tons of eggs. <laughs> yeah, yeah,
0: right. <laughs> well, I was looking on your website um, and following you on socials and I just sort of saw you having a little bit of um, sort of a chat about things like adaptogens. So can you let our listeners know, A, what they are? Um, because it's sort of, I would say one of those more emerging areas. Um, it's sort of trending at the moment. And if they actually have any sort of effect on eczema or if they could assist um, people in any way.
1: Yeah. So adaptogens are basically um, plants and mushrooms that um, basically help your body respond to stress better. Um, there's also adaptogens that help with your response to anxiety and fatigue and just overall um, like feel uh, overall well-being of your body um, and so the most common adaptogen I usually recommend is ashwagandha and there's a lot of research between uh, ashwagandha and how it really helps the uh, the body respond to stress better and so because there is a huge link between eczema and stress I've definitely seen a lot of clients and, and people in general where they take adaptogens like ashwagandha and they notice their body to be a lot more calmer. Um, if they're stressed out, they just, they don't feel as stressed, um, because the adaptogens are helping with that response to stress. Um, and then indirectly that would affect their skin from flaring because of that connection between the, the gut and the skin, um, and then also too with adaptogens like ashwagandha, it helps to uh, regulate your cortisol levels. And your cortisol plays a big role um, in your stress because when you're when you are very stressed out, you're always in that fight or flight mode, and that's when your cortisol goes skyrocketing, right? And so adding supplements in like adaptogens can help with balancing the cortisol level so that it's not spiking up all the time when you are stressed out.
0: I like that. And I was in LA a few years ago and I feel like America is way before, you know, the trends, like they always, you know, the big ones. And we haven't even seen things like adaptogens here and like cafes in Australia yet, but I was there. I would say probably four or five years ago in California. And I remember going into this really trendy, cool cafe and it was like on the on the menu, it was like, you can order your, you know, chai latte with some adaptogens, mm. like some shrooms in it. Shrooms like lion's mane. And I was like, this is the coolest thing ever. Yeah. yeah so I was like, could I please have a almond milk latte with some shrooms? And <laughs> I, I can't even remember what else I got in there. And I was sipping it and I was like, oh, this is so bougie. Like I was so, so hip. Yeah. <laughs> and I love that that was years ago and it still hasn't really been picked up in Australia. So I know that we can definitely order them off like iherb.com or amazon or something like that but is there any I guess like danger with adaptogens is too much dangerous or would you start with a very small amount I must admit I haven't really dabbled much or sort of used that or recommended them with my clients at all
1: yeah I would say I don't recommend them too much like the only one that I'm comfortable recommending is ashwagandha um I so I can't really comment on like the safety of how much I would say if you are like pregnant or breastfeeding you definitely want to avoid herbs in general because mm. there's there's just not a lot of supplements that are safe for for women who are pregnant and breastfeeding and mm-hmm. um actually a lot of people develop or moms develop um, eczema when they're pregnant and breastfeeding and they often ask me like what supplements can I take can I take this this and this and I'm like unfortunately, it's not enough research to prove that it'll be Mm. safe. And Mm -hmm. herbs and adaptogens are one of them.
0: Yeah, definitely. All right. Well, we've mentioned the mind-gut connection before. And for listeners of the Leanne Wood Nutrition Podcast, we've spent a lot of time talking about gut health. So we won't go too much into gut health today because I think we have mentioned sort of how important that mind-gut connection is and how gut health and the gut microbiome is so important. Um, So if listeners, you do have sort of questions around gut health, or you want to learn more specifically, I feel like the general basis of good gut health and the mind-gut connection and, you know, improving your gut microbiome. We've spent a lot of time talking about that over the podcast before. So unless you sort of have any specific tips around, I guess, gut health, or would you feel like it's just improving your gut microbiome overall by eating the diversity, plant-based diversity, lots of fiber, reducing stress? Is that sort of the main things? Yes. Yeah. When it comes from an eczema perspective, it's sort of just general good gut health overall.
1: Exactly.
0: Wonderful. Yeah. Basically anything that you shared in your, in your podcast episodes, like just implementing those tips with with gut health. Wonderful, wonderful. Well, the burning question that I do have to ask you, which I'm sure all of our eczema sufferers, um, I want to say eczema warriors instead of sufferers. I hate that word, sufferers. So our eczema warriors at home are, are probably thinking about is how do we stop the eczema itch? Like when you're in the middle of the flare and you just want to like tear off your skin, right? Like we both know what we're talking about when it yeah. comes to that that eczema itch. Is there anything, I remember as a child, mum used to just like, like soak me in chamomile lotion basically. So I had mm. this like, you know, like white skin with like cotton buds all over it because she just put cotton buds in and they like, lotion <laughs> all over me. Is there any sort of tips or hacks that you have to really improve the eczema itch? Does something like aloe vera, does that help at all? Because I know like in the Aussie heat, when we get sunburn, that really does help to soothe the skin. Um, any tips or tricks do you have from that itch perspective? Because, oh, it can really you know, it can just, it makes me tingle thinking about it.
1: <laughs> I know I, I can totally relate. It's a terrible feeling, especially if it keeps you up all night and you struggle with sleep. That's a huge one, right? Getting, getting control of the itch. So there's a couple of things you, or more than a couple of things you can do. There's uh, topical things you can do. And then there's actually a certain supplements that can help too. So topically, um, aloe vera is, is a very common one. Uh, typically that, that one works pretty well. I would say, um, In combination with ice packs, actually, Mm -hmm. ice packs right away on the area where it's itchy, that can soothe the itch pretty much right away. Um, More so temporarily because it'll soothe the itch. And then um, after like when the ice gets warmer, the itch might come back because it's um, not working as effectively. But I would say if you're looking for something kind of instant, then definitely ice packs. And then dead sea salt baths, believe Mm -hmm. it or not can be really helpful. So that's something I often recommend to my clients, um, especially if they're noticing certain areas of the body that's uh, very itchy. If it's whole body itch, then going into a Dead Sea Salt bath can help a lot with that. If it's certain areas of the body, like their inner elbows, I get them to kind of soak it in a big bowl. Mm -hmm. And that typically helps with the itch um, because of the healing benefits of Dead Sea Salts. Um, And then orally, you can try taking something called quercetin which is a plant pigment, the flavonoid that comes from plants. Um, It acts as a natural antihistamine. Hmm. And it works really well for times where um, people are getting allergies um, and even an itch attack from eczema when they take quercetin.
0: It helps a lot with reducing that itch. Interesting. Now, you mentioned dead sea salts. I have never heard of that term before. What does it mean by, is it like a sea salt bath? What's the dead component of the dead sea salts?
1: Yeah, so dead sea salts are um, salts from the Dead Sea in Israel. Israel, that area. Oh. Um, so it's very healing. Um, people go there for the healing properties of the Dead Sea. Dead sea. Mm. Uh, I don't know if they can go in the sea right now because it's probably very concentrated. But they basically take the, the salt from the Dead Sea and they um, use it for different ailments like eczema, skin conditions, arthritis, for example, and the minerals and the benefits from the Dead Sea really helps with healing or not, not healing completely, but more like managing the symptoms of eczema. Um, and it helps a lot with reducing inflammation with the itch and also helps with wound healing as well. So i I've, I've seen that too um, with, with taking a dead sea salt bath.
0: Interesting. And where do people get these dead sea salts? Is it like online? Do you have to, do you have to visit, you know, the country to buy them or are they available somewhere? Yeah. Amazon,
1: you can pick it up, um, uh, uh, dead sea salts off of Amazon in Australia. Um, I think there's a website called, my client was showing me this like beauty skin expert. I don't know if you've heard of it or something, Okay. but, um, Yeah, I don't know. I think in – because one of my Australian clients was telling me how it was harder for her to find it, but Mm. she was able to find it through this website. But for, like, Canada, U.S., Amazon has – has um, Dead Sea salt, so they're not. It's not super challenging to get.
0: Interesting. I really like that tip. And then we probably haven't mentioned. I mean, I'm I'm very much as you are a very holistic approach, but I also appreciate um, and also obviously work with modern medicine where we need to. So obviously, is steroid cream something that does help within a flare as well, and is something that you recommend as well?
1: I actually try to recommend people to not rely on steroids Um, and the whole reason because is uh, I don't know if you've heard about topical steroid withdrawal Mm. but it's a Mm -hmm. really really scary condition that cause uh, that that is caused by the use of steroids Um, and there's a whole community of people who are going through TSW which is what uh, stands for topical steroid withdrawal I also went through this too back in 2015 Um, and it's because of using topical steroids for a period of time so, um, obviously I'm not a dermatologist, so I can't say, you know, stop taking your steroid. Don't, don't use your steroids because it can actually be dangerous to come off of them, uh, cold Turkey if you decide to go the natural route. So obviously work with a dermatologist or a doctor to help you with that, but definitely there's a lot of side effects with steroids, um, that people aren't really aware of. And unfortunately I'm not often warned by their doctors. So they end up using it for a long period of time. And that's when their skin becomes addicted. And they can go through this whole withdrawal. It's a touchy subject a little bit because I know it's like the common, um, it is the number one medication prescribed to patients with eczema, but it's also very risky too.
0: Yeah. And I love that. And I love that you've just given our listeners just a little bit of food for thought, right? And I think it's I think it's really appreciated just to know some of those side effects because I feel like they're always in the box. They're always in the packet. But let's be honest, how many of us actually read, you know, that you know, six page side effects, little pamphlet that's actually contained within the medication that we're taking?
1: Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I know I don't. <laughs> yeah, I don't either. So you just got to be a little bit more careful nowadays, right? With labels and <laughs> Uh, what we apply on our skin because everything you apply on your
0: skin gets absorbed too. So keeping that into consideration. Definitely. Yeah. And I just, I wanted to wrap up the podcast really talking about sort of babies and young children, because I feel like it's all well and good for adults to understand, like, we shouldn't be scratching it. We shouldn't be itching it. We should try to do a dead sea salt bath or lather ourselves in aloe vera. And that's, you know, as an adult, we have that sort of capability, but when it comes to babies and children, any, I guess, tips for our mums or dads listening at home who have little infants or children or babies that struggle with eczema, anything that we, can do to, I guess, any sort of creams or, or things you recommend, or is it still the aloe vera and the dead sea salt baths, or any other tips for our little ones at home who really do struggle with that itch? Because I know that mum used to put mittens on me um, mm. just to really, you know, stop me scratching as well.
1: Yeah, unfortunately, my area expertise doesn't include children and kids, so I don't mm. want to recommend something that isn't safe to them. Mm. Um, so definitely, I would seek someone who has that experience around babies with eczema, um, and see kind of what works for them. Like ice packs are safe. I think anybody can use that. So that would be like my only recommendation for, for, for them who are really struggling. But unfortunately I, I don't really, like, I can't say dead sea salt would be helpful because I don't know if it'd be safe for, for kids. And it is, it is a salt, so it should be okay. But of course, because the baby's skin is so sensitive, I would assume you want to be careful with the dosage, right? Cause it is still a salt. And even an adult with eczema, when you use dead sea salts, sometimes people actually get a flare up from it because their skin just doesn't tolerate it, right? So it's about kind of testing what works for you and making sure you're not overdoing it as well. Because when your skin is inflamed and there's wounds, when there's salt, it's going to make it burn, right? So- just being careful with that and the
0: in the amounts. Yeah, no, I really appreciate that. Yeah. All right, so let's finish the podcast on a positive and on a high. Um, let's chat about food, right? Because we all like food. So, for our eczema warriors at home, what are your three to five favorite meals and snacks that our eczema warriors can happily include in their diets to help um, reduce flare-ups or to help those sort of eczema symptoms overall?
1: Yeah. So there's a couple things. So I would say for the summertime, smoothies are great. They're a great way to um, add lots of fiber, lots of fats and protein into your smoothie all in this one beautiful blender and blend it up and drink it for the day, right? So um, that's something I recommend uh, to people with uh, with eczema is to try incorporating a smoothie into your diet, especially if you're someone who doesn't like to cook meals for breakfast. Mm. It's just simple and quick and an easy way to get all your, all your nutrients in. Uh, another example is... Honestly, the options are really endless. There's no really big restrictions when it comes to uh, a diet for eczema, right? So you can eat salmon for lunch, add it with some um, asparagus, which are really great prebiotic food, and then pairing it with a side of quinoa or brown rice, right? However you want to cook it. Um, And then snack-wise, I always say when you're eating snacks, you always want to pair with a protein. Oftentimes, people just um, forget about the protein piece, but protein is such a key Um, macronutrient body needs which is what we talked about earlier so when you're snacking on crackers for example pair it with a protein like a nut butter or hummus when you're snacking on um, vegetable raw vegetables for example also pair with it with a protein as well so you're really getting that um, benefit of the the protein.
0: Juliet, thank you so much for coming on the podcast today and sharing all of your wisdom with our listeners. I know you have a wonderful coaching service as well for your um, expert warriors. Can you tell our listeners a little bit more about that? And is it sort of a worldwide coaching service or is it just specific for um, Canadians? Yeah. So I do have a
1: coaching program that is either one-on-one or group um, and it is for worldwide clients. So wherever you are, I can happily, happily take you on as a client. Um, and then it is right now, actually, I, I have spots available for one-on-one coaching and that kind of goes on throughout the, throughout the year so you can just reach out to me and let me know when you, if you want to join and then for group program it kind of runs a few times a year so it depends
0: on the time of the year but definitely reach out if you would like support wonderful and on socials where can we give you a follow you're obviously on instagram
1: yes i'm an, on instagram at julia i also have a youtube channel you can find me um typing in julia chen uh, but yeah, for the most part, I'm on Instagram pretty much all the time. So that's where you'll find me the most.
0: So thank you again so much for coming on the podcast. And we really appreciate you sharing all of your wisdom with our listeners today.
1: Thank you so much, Leah for having me.